Acts chapter 16, starting at verse 10. I mean, Paul had seen the vision immediately. We sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Verse 11. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and following there to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, and a Roman colony. We remained in the city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in our household, as well as, as well, urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Gospel. We thank you it's the good news about your only Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to live a sinless, obedient life, who was crucified on the cross for us, for the forgiveness of sins. And he rose again on, this, on the third day, according to the scriptures, to conquer death, knowing that the wage of sin is death. And we thank you for this, Father, but also thank you for his ascension. For where he is seated, he promised the Holy Spirit will come upon us and give us power to be faithful witnesses to this world. And here we see Paul and his team being faithful witnesses. And we thank you for that, Father. We thank you that your word has power, power to save it's living and powerful to transform us more and more into Christ-likeness as well, Father. Thank you for your grace and thank you for the gospel of Christ. But help us now, Father, to hear what Luke has to say to us as he writes about this historical account that went on in Europe. Give us wisdom to listen, Father. Help me to be clear and help us to become faithful witnesses for Jesus Christ. To be a witness of what he has told us to witness, which is his words and his works. Help us, Father. Be merciful to me now. Be merciful to us all. Stir up our hearts to listen, to hear what your word and what your spirit has to say to our hearts. Help us to listen and help us to apply. I pray in this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it's a privilege that we have this historical account to see how the gospel spreads. I think it was someone said, you take away the book of Deuteronomy, there's a big gap. Take away the book of Acts, there's a big gap to how these letters came about. Letters of Ephesus and Philippi and, and Colossians and Galatians. And they all come from Paul's missionary journey. 
But the beautiful thing is, the gospel of God brings what we all need, and that is salvation. We all need to hear the gospel, because salvation is through faith. We need to either believe that, or we don't. And it has ramifications on our life if we don't believe salvation is through faith. Because then how else are we saved? How else will we get to know this God? And get to know what we need to do in order to repent and believe and put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe that salvation is through faith? Do we believe that? Do I believe that? By the word faith, I mean the content of faith. The things we believe in and trust in. The object of our faith is Jesus. Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. And without faith in Him, it is impossible to please God. He is the person who we believe in, we put our faith and trust in for salvation. Why do we need salvation? Anybody want to tell me why we need salvation? Because of the most terrifying thing that is going to happen. Judgment Day. We are rescued from the wrath to come. God has appointed a time for His Son to return to judge the world in righteousness. And whose righteousness do we need to make sure we are clothed in righteousness? Is Jesus' righteousness. And by the word salvation, I mean we need to be delivered or rescued from the power of curse, of sin and death. Because salvation means to be rescued from a calamity. And I told you that calamity is judgment day. We need to be rescued from the wrath to come. We need redemption from sin and reconciliation to God. That's what salvation brings. But it also brings freedom. True freedom from the oppression of sin. Before we were saved, we were slaves to sin. Now that we are saved, we are slaves to righteousness. And I say this, and I'm going to keep saying this, if we are not embracing the Scriptures, if we are not in the Scriptures, then we are not walking in righteousness, and we are not honouring God in our righteousness. Because Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. You were called to freedom, brethren. Freedom from the wage of sin, from the oppression of sin, to be a slave to righteousness. And if we're not in the Scriptures, we're still a slave to sin. We're still oppressed by sin. Yes, we live in a fallen body and we're going to struggle. But we have the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And helps us. In Christ Jesus we have true freedom. Freedom from being a slavery to sin. But you go out there. And today the world tells you. That true freedom can be found in whatever works for you. Whatever works for you is true freedom. Whatever you want to believe is true freedom. Is that true? Is that what... Scripture tells us. 
Everything from civil rights movements to other religions has promised to free people from oppression, to elevate them to a better lifestyle or a position in society. But no movement that just makes you feel good or alters your position in society can truly give you the freedom, truly set you free without genuinely transforming the heart, setting the heart free from the oppression of sin. The only genuine freedom can be realized is when one's heart is freed from the bondage of sin and death. And this is what Jesus said when he, this is what he meant when he said this, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And this comes through the radical transformation of the gospel from being dead in our sins to alive in Christ Jesus. The radical transformation from death to eternal life comes by the divinely initiative work of Scripture called the new birth. And that's what we see in Lydia's life. We see a new birth. God's Word says, But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name. Who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. The new birth is to be born again, and it's finally nothing other than the act of God. The act of God in His grace and mercy. For right to the church of Ephesus, by grace you have been saved through faith, and is not of yourselves, is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast, or no one should boast. And our response to salvation is faith, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is a gift that God has given us. And He's the one that has allowed us to cry out in repentance. Faith is nothing, has nothing to do with our own power or our own resources. Because we do have adequate power to do certain things. We can make decisions. We can make choices. But when it comes to salvation, God doesn't want to rely doesn't want us to rely on any of our abilities. Because if it is, then salvation is part of our own works, and therefore we would have something to boast. The new birth is a sovereign work of the Holy Spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. God is the one that saves us, the Spirit sovereignly chooses where and how and whom He will work. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Spirit works in a mysterious way. It's not a mystical thing. It's not a myth. It works through, and we'll see, a message that we have to take to the world. Not our message. God's message. Beautiful book that I'm reading to help me understand the book of Acts a lot is the message of Acts. And there's a chapter here called The Growing Word. But Acts focuses on the role of preaching more than any other factor in the growth of the church. What grows the church is the preaching of God's word. And that is what the church needs to be faithful to. This message had been the Spirit's instrument to create this new community of faith. The 
Holy Spirit working through the Word saves people and creates a new community of faith, the church, where we come together as a body of believers in Christ. And the apostles knew this. When they evangelized, they, they, they witness the, the Scriptures. They witness Christ. Because they knew that salvation is the sovereign work of God. Their role was to preach truth, witness truth, teach truth, knowing that God Himself will, uh, would apply it individually to the hearts of His chosen ones. That's why Paul says, I do all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. Does Paul know? Does he know who the chosen ones are? No. Do we know who the chosen ones are out there? No. What is our responsibility? What are we going to see? We have a message to take because of the sake of those who are chosen. Like Paul says, salvation is a work of God, not a human work at all. It's God's work. It's accomplished by God and applied by God. It's His work to save people. He wants us as, to be used as the instruments and yeah, as we come to this beautiful passage in Acts chapter 16, looking at verses 11 to 15, and we'll see that in the next passage as well with the, with, with the prisoner, the prison guard, we will see the jailer, how he said. But yeah, we see a great work of God to save Lydia and those other women that heard, or the household that was with yeah, we see God saving Lydia. All he's doing, by his doing, we are in Christ Jesus, who became to us redemption, justification, sanctification, and righteousness. So that if we boast, we boast in Christ. So let's turn now to Acts chapter 16. And let's, let's, let's look at two truths that have helped me through the week. Two truths that is going to challenge us. And hopefully encourage us to see that salvation is through faith in Jesus Christ. That salvation is through faith. And that salvation is a great work of God. It's His work. And His work cost Him His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. So yeah, we'll look at two truths. We'll probably only get through one truth this morning. And this one truth, our first truth, comes from verses 11 to 14. That hopefully will help us believe that salvation is through faith in Jesus Christ. And that is one single word, speaking. Our responsibility, man's responsibility, is to take a message to the lost and share it with them. We need to speak it into their lives. Now what I'm not saying is we now must become like Paul and we must just go out there now and evangelize. No. You speak the truth in love to people you have come into contact with and who give you the opportunity to share the gospel with them. All of us, I guarantee you, all of us this week will have an opportunity to share the gospel. Because God is sovereignly equipping you, and at the same time, He is sovereignly preparing someone to hear the message. And the message needs to be spoken to them. It can't come any other way. And I'll back this up with Scripture. 
Just reading around and learning from men that, that, that are faithful to God's word. Faithful to using God's word to evangelize. The only reason why we know the good news of Jesus Christ is because God has revealed the truth about himself to us. And he has done that in his word. You want to get to know God and get to, get to know about this God and grow in your relationship with this God? Go to the scripture. There he has revealed himself to us. There he has made himself known so we can get to know him and we can get to know ourselves. And most of the time when you're getting to know God, you will fall on your face and you'll cry out in repentance because we see who we really are. Wretched sinners saved by his grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for his glory alone. But in the scriptures, there God has revealed the truth about himself to us and he has done that in his word, the Bible. And the truth of Christ is the means of God's spirit uses to reconcile us to himself. New life comes through the word, just as Jesus prayed. Now listen to this. This is what caught my attention. I've never seen this in this verse. Jesus in his high priestly prayer prays. My prayer is not for them alone, that is for the disciples alone. The high priestly prayer is in one context for the disciples, but also for us. So Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone, that is just my apostles. I pray also for those who believe me through their, you want to finish it, through their message. How are they going to believe if they don't hear a message? Please help me. If God is saving us through some other ways and means, then I will stop preaching. And the church can run its own course. We don't need the word. God doesn't contradict himself. God doesn't, doesn't mess us around and lead us around. God can use other means to bring people to the gospel. It could use a vision, a dream. It could use what he wants to. To bring someone to hear the message. But they have to hear the message. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. Who believe in me. If you've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you know who's praying for you? The Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Because you have believed through the message that someone brought to your heart. If you don't believe me, well, listen to what goes on next. Well, we notice that belief will come through a message. Well, we see this worked out in Peter and Cornelius. When Peter spoke to Cornelius and his friends, then while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Not his experiences, not his blessings, a message about who? The Lord Jesus Christ, his words and his works. God did, God did tell Cornelius to expect this. Peter will bring you a message through which you and your household will be saved. And this is what Paul wrote in Romans 10, chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes from hearing a message. The preached word creates life, and it not only creates or created the new Christian life, it also sustains it and grows it. So you might be thinking, yeah, you are this morning. Mark, you're preaching. Salvation is through faith. I've heard this over and over. Do you know what it should be doing? Well, Tony prayed, first of all, help us to humble our hearts. So if that is what's going on in your mind, that's pride. Hearing this message again should bring us great confidence. 
to do what God has called us if we are saved. And we know salvation is through faith. All it's doing is stirring up your hearts to have a, a greater confidence in relying on God's message as you take it to your friends, no matter what they say and do back to you. Because you've done and you've honoured God. What they do with that message, you can just pray and ask God to bring about growth. You plant, you water, but God gives growth. God alone gives growth. And preaching the word also grows us and matures us in our sanctification and transformation to be more holy, to honour God out there. So in Acts chapter 16, verses 11 to 15, we see God's word doing exactly this, creating new life in Lydia's own heart and the ladies that were with her. Some might not have been saved, some might have been saved. We don't know, but we know that God opened her heart. Now before we move on, the question is, and people always say this, what happens to people living off the grid? What happens to people that do not hear the gospel? What happens if they're living far away? How will they be saved? If you've told me now, Mark, faith comes from hearing, hearing the message. And you've told me salvation is through faith. How will they be saved? Do you know how they will be saved? God will send them a messenger. Quite simple. Maybe you're that person that God wants to use in someone's life that is living somewhere in this area that doesn't want anybody to come to them and share the gospel. Maybe that's you praying for that person, God, to break down their hard heart so you can take a message to them. But God will be preparing someone to go to some remote tribe on an island. He did that with Philip and the eunuch. did that with Peter and Cornelius. Now he's doing it with Paul and Lydia. There are people in Europe that need to be saved. And God is sending Paul and a team to go and preach the gospel. God will send a messenger to that place for them to hear the gospel of Christ. Because salvation is through faith and we need to believe that. And scripture backs this up. Romans 10, 14 to 17 says, How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. God will send someone for them to hear. God has also given His general revelation. He has shown Himself in the heavens. The heavens declare His glory for them to cry out and seek God. And those who seek God will be found. God will send someone to them. And they will hear the gospel of God, which is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And yeah. In Acts chapter 16, verses 11 to 15, especially verses 11 to 12, we see Paul and his missionary team. They sailed from Trash to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, like I said, about 116 kilometers sail. Then they finally reached Europe. From Neapolis, they went to Philippi. They hiked, they walked, 
16 kilometers till they reached Philippi, a leading city of the district of Macedonia. And we know while they were there, they took some time off. They remained in Philippi for some days. Probably to recuperate. We don't have to speculate. We know what they did. Read Paul's letters. This is what they did. And Paul helps us to see what they did. In Colossians, we read this. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word. That's what they would have been doing. They would have been praying for God to open up a door. Why? He had just closed doors while they were in Asia Minor. They didn't arrive in Philippi and then toss a coin and draw lots and say, no, they seek God in prayer, who supernaturally knows what's going on in other people's hearts. And he sent them to Lydia. They praying for God to open up doors. They also praying that, that, that their speech will always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that they may know how they ought to answer each person, how they ought to talk to the people. Do we do that before we go out and witness? Do we actually ask God to open up the door to their heart, soften their heart, give us words to speak the truth in love with them, help us not to get angry with them, help us not to try and, and manipulate them and, and, and force this gospel upon them, because salvation is unto you, Lord, not me. And how often we go and we try and convince people. There's nothing wrong with if you argue, if you're trying to persuade someone, but there's, remember, don't force your will upon someone else. That's God's job. It's God's job to save the people. That's why I'm not into altar calls. As soon as I call people forward, I'm forcing my will upon them. And I'm making them do something they're not supposed to do. As far as I'm concerned, if I preach the gospel faithfully, everybody out there that wants to be saved should jump and say, What must I do to be saved? Like the jailer. That's exactly what should happen. Paul, what must I do to believe? What must I do to be saved? And you say, guys, we're going to talk further about the word. Not come forward and pray a prayer and send them home. That's not what... I don't find that in the book of Acts. And I'm, not, I'm saying, looking back, how we've messed up evangelism. How we've messed up taking the message of Christ to the world. We've, it's become man-centered. We've lost focus. We've lost, you know what we've lost? Trusting the sovereignty of God in salvation. Until we embrace the sovereignty of God, you know what happens to you? It becomes sweet to your body. I also struggle with these things. I don't think I just stand up here. I'm, I also grapple. God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy. God saves whom he wants to save. We need to just trust him and pray. But Paul and the team decide, yeah, on the Sabbath day, we're going to go outside the gate to a riverside where they were supposed to be a place of prayer. Maybe someone told them, yeah, a few ladies go down to the river as they wash their clothes. They have some time of prayer. And these were Jewish folk. These were Jewish and God-fearing Gentiles. 
that they met. Because it says there that Lydia was a worshipper of God. And the reason why they met is because there was no synagogue in Philippi. Because Paul's tradition, what would he do when he reached the town? The first thing he would do is go to a synagogue. And that's where he'd preach the gospel to the Jew first, then to the Gentile. But there's no synagogue. A synagogue needs to be made up of at least 10 males who are heads of their home. So they didn't have that. So there's no synagogue. So the next step is for Paul then to go look for Jews and other God-fearers who would gather in an informal worship setting like a prayer meeting. And there they come to this prayer meeting. And this is how Paul, by the sovereignty and providence of God, came across a group of women gathered for prayer, devout women, who met to read and discuss the Old Testament scriptures. Our God was suddenly working in the hearts of these women and in the hearts of Paul and his team to go and speak the gospel to them. Before Paul was saved, what was his name? Saul. What was Saul studying to become? A Pharisee, a rabbi. Why am I telling you this? Because what Paul is doing with this woman, taking the gospel to them, proves that he's genuinely saved. God saved him and put in him a new heart and changed his heart from being a radical Pharisee to being a loving, caring apostle of Christ. You know why I say that? Because the Pharisees would never talk to women. The Pharisees would never go and share the gospel with women or the Torah. You know what they say? I wrote it here. It is better that the words of the law be burned than be delivered to a woman. That is the Pharisee's heart. They even prayed this. They would thank God they were neither Gentile slaves nor women. If Paul was not truly saved, he would not be doing what he's doing. I'm telling you this. Salvation is through faith. And salvation that is through faith in Christ Jesus brings about a change in our hearts. If you still the same miserable, cold, hating, hatred person that is hating people, that's bitter towards people, then God has not changed your heart. If you find yourself still doing things that you've been doing before God saved you, then maybe God has not changed your heart. Because God is in the business of changing people for His glory and His honor. And He's given us the Holy Spirit to do that. Our bodies are a temple of God. And I think, and I hear this and I'm, I do it myself, I think we must stop excusing, saying that, yes, we can just go to God and He'll forgive us. Yes, He will forgive us. But we must also stop saying, you know, this is hard. Yes, it is hard. But I've just finished reading through the first chapter of Revelation. And we are without excuse in not growing and allowing God to change our hearts. Because we have the I Am who's on the throne, Jesus. And you know what His greatest two words to us when we suffering and persecution? Fear not. 
I can't wait to get to the book of Revelation. Sometimes I think I just want to stop this and get into the book of Revelation because it's so desperately needed for the church because it's written to the church and it's all about the church. Why haven't some people come back to the church? Because you know why? They haven't understood what the gospel of God the Father is all about. It's about our Father who's given us His Son. And it's cost Him to bring up people to Himself through His Son and His Spirit to come and worship here as a family, as a body of believers, to build each other up. Not to be scattered and do as we please on a Sunday. And He's given us His Word to strengthen that community in the church so His presence can dwell there and help us. Because the I Am is on the throne and He says, Fear not. And this is who Paul knew. Fear not. Go and take the gospel to the lives. And he takes it to Lydia. But how often are we like the Pharisees? Maybe someone has done something in your life. And you say, I'm not going to take the gospel. And let's go to hell and burn. Have we ever said that? Someone's upset you? Sure, they can go to hell. Are we any different to the Pharisees? I'm not taking my Bible and sharing it with someone. I'd rather burn it than go and share it with them. We're no different. We will find excuses. Oh, I can't go and take it to my family member because I'm going to offend them and then it brings a big rife down the middle of the family. Who cares? It's really, it's about God and His church. It's not about you and your family. Because Jesus has told us about the cost what it's going to cost you with your family. If you put your family first and Christ second, there's a problem with understanding what the gospel is all about. Jesus didn't come to destroy the family. He came to build up the family, but His truth will bring division. You saw it in His own family. Brothers and sisters thought He was mad. He lost it. But then, somewhere along the line, James is saved. Judas is saved. Because James is from James, because Judas is from Judas. We don't know if any of his other brothers or sisters were saved. But who saved them? Salvation is through faith. Jesus couldn't save them, but God saved them eventually. Through hearing a message. And Paul, who has grasped Christ's love, is compelled to serve God faithfully, to share God's word. And this is exactly what Paul does. He sits down with these women and with these ladies and he shares the gospel of God with them. And he does it in a means of a personal conversation. That's why evangelism is not everything we need. We need to just sit down and speak this message into the lives of our family and friends through a conversation. Speaking is meaning it was through a conversation. Just sitting down and chatting with the ladies and asking them about who they're praying to, maybe who's their mediator, and, 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 and what do you think has happened to the temple? They didn't have to go back to creation because these were God-fearing Gentiles. They were, they were, we can say, religious people. So he started where they were, and he would have just told them about Jesus Christ, who is the mediator, the faithful high priest, the true high priest. But he also knows how to conduct himself in wisdom towards these ladies, making the most of the opportunity. And his speech is probably seasoned with grace and salt, so that they will know 
So he will know how to respond to their questions and answer them. Because he knows faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of Christ. And I've touched on that already. Because that's what this verse tells us. That we need to speak a message to the people. And I close as I come to an end. The hearing that Paul speaks of here, just reading around and listening to this, what this one man says, says, the hearing that Paul speaks of here is not so much the hearing of the preacher's message, which is important, but rather the utterance of Christ, the voice of Christ speaking through a faithful Christ-centered message that the messenger delivers. So what it's saying is when you speak the message to people, when you share a message with people, are they hearing Christ? Or are they just hearing about you? Your blessings, your experiences. Because unless the unbeliever also hears the accompanying utterance of Christ to their heart, there will be no faith. That's why faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of Christ. It's all about Christ and people need to hear Christ. So the Holy Spirit can do His work. And that's the second truth we'll look at next week. It's God's responsibility to take that truth and open up the hearts to whom He chooses to open. So our responsibility that first point we've looked at, or first truth we've looked at, is our responsibility is to share or speak, or in a conversation, share the message, the gospel of Christ, which then gives God the responsibility to do His work in the heart of those people. So will we be encouraged? Will we be challenged? Because like I read from a quote, the message is the Spirit's instrument to create new life, in the believer's heart, a new community of faith. And I leave us with this scripture. Jesus opened up their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And then Jesus says, You are witnesses of these things. Are we witnessing? Christ in our message. It's all about Him. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with testimonies and telling people what Christ has done for you, but then point them to the Christ who has done it for you. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank You. We have Your Word to help us, to help us examine our hearts, to see are we being faithful to the preaching and sharing of your son. We have the good news, which is a beautiful message to share with our friends. Give us boldness, give us wisdom, help us to be strong and courageous to do this, Father. At times we shy away, at times we run away. But help us, Father. We know there's a verse that says, those who are ashamed of my word, I'll be ashamed of them. Help us, Father. Help us to really deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow Christ. And that is to, to speak a message which is all about Him into the hearts of the lost. So my prayer is, Father, this first truth is speaking. That we will know that it is our responsibility to speak a message into the hearts and lives of the lost. So that you can do a great work of salvation in their hearts. Because salvation is through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Please, Father, forgive us when we don't do this. Forgive us when we take our eyes off ourselves. 
Be merciful. Be gracious to us. Pray and ask this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.